welcome to the School Psych Podcast, where we are learning brains and growing hearts. I'm your host, Ivana Luki. This podcast is meant to be a resource for caregivers and school staff, or really just anyone interested in the psychology of learning. Before we jump into this week's episode, just a small caveat. Although I work for a local school division, this podcast is a personal project, and it's unaffiliated with said school division. With that being said, let's jump into this week's episode. Okay, welcome to episode seven of the School Psych Podcast. On the last episode, we learned what it is that a speech language pathologist actually does. I work with SLPs every day in my job, and I learned a lot from that interview with speech language pathologist Tia Coulter. So if you haven't listened to it already, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode. Spoiler alert, speech language pathologists do so much more than support students with stuttering and lisps. Today's episode is a quick one. We are covering neurodevelopmental disorders. That's a bit of a mouthful. If I don't slow myself down when I'm saying it, it sometimes sounds like I have marbles in my mouth. (laughs) So what are neurodevelopmental disorders? What does that mean? That is the whole point of today's episode. And why it's a quick one is because this is more of an overview episode. Neurodevelopmental disorders are a class of disorders in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. So I'm going to briefly describe what they are and then kind of run through the different disorders that exist within the umbrella of neurodevelopmental disorders. I'm choosing to do this episode now because it's going to set the stage for some of the following episodes, since we're going to be doing deep dives on some of these neurodevelopmental disorders, like intellectual disability or ADHD or autism spectrum disorder. Actually, the next episode is a deep dive on intellectual disability, what that means and what it means to live with it. There are a lot of misconceptions about intellectual disability, so please listen to that episode to learn more about it. You may have heard of the idea that many mental disorders are invisible. This doesn't mean that they don't exist or that their symptoms disappear from time to time. It just means that there are certain disorders people live with that we can instantly see, and mental disorders don't always come across at first glance. Well, the classification of neurodevelopmental disorders can definitely be described in that way. We may not always know right away that a person is living with a neurodevelopmental disorder. Okay, let's jump in. Neurodevelopmental disorders are a group of conditions with onset in the developmental period. So what that means is that we would see symptoms of these disorders from a young age, often before a child enters school. The range of challenges or struggles that are included in the classification of neurodevelopmental disorders vary from super specific to global. So what I mean is that There might be limitations in very specific areas of learning, like someone who lives with dyslexia, to more global impairments, meaning that someone's cognitive skills or social skills are impacted across the board a bit more rather than in one specific area. What a lot of people don't realize about neurodevelopmental disorders is that they frequently co-occur. What that means is that a person might live with a diagnosis of more than one. Uh, The example that comes to mind as being quite common is that individuals with learning disorders like dyslexia or a math learning disorder might also have a diagnosis of ADHD. 
sometimes these diagnoses are made at the same time, and sometimes one is made and then another is made a few years later. But I just wanted to mention that often people live with more than one of these disorders. The first class of neurodevelopmental disorders that we'll talk about is intellectual disability. This is characterized by a person's struggles in general mental abilities. Uh, Those abilities could include reasoning or problem solving, planning, abstract thinking, making accurate judgments, and learning from experience. These cognitive challenges result in impairments in what is called adaptive functioning, meaning that an individual struggles to meet standards of personal independence and social responsibility in one or more aspects of daily living, like communication, social participation, academic functioning, or functioning at work. Basically, adaptive functioning is a person's level of independence, getting things done at home or at school or in the community. Intellectual disability is diagnosed through systematic assessments of intellectual functioning and of adaptive functioning. When a child is too young to undergo some of the standardized testing, we might use the term global developmental delay to describe uh, the fact that they are not meeting developmental milestones. Sometimes a developmental specialist will diagnose global developmental delay And later on in that child's life, a diagnosis of intellectual disability will be further explored and confirmed. Like all the neurodevelopmental disorders, people with intellectual disability can learn a lot and grow, but some of that learning will require more time, more repetition, and or more support from individuals in that person's life. The next class of neurodevelopmental disorders is communication disorders. This includes language disorder, speech sound disorder, and others. And most of them are characterized by deficits in the development and use of language, speech, and social communication. Um, One of these disorders, child onset fluency disorder, or stuttering, is more to do with uh, disturbances in the normal fluency and motor production of speech. So for students with communication disorders, sometimes school psychologists are a member of their school team, but more often speech-language pathologists are going to be supporting these students. Here is another plug for going back to the last episode if you want to learn more about how SLPs support students with communication needs. The next class of neurodevelopmental disorders is Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD. And this is characterized by um, challenges in social communication and social interaction across all settings like school and home, including deficits in social reciprocity. So that's like the back and forth of social communication. Uh, Also deficits in the nonverbal communication that we use for social interaction, like how we express through our facial expressions or body language. Also, people with ASD have difficulty in developing, maintaining, and understanding relationships. In addition to these social pieces, uh, a diagnosis of ASD also requires the presence of restricted, repetitive patterns of behavior, interests, or activities. If you know students with ASD, They might have passions in just a variety of interest areas. One student might be super interested in dinosaurs and anything and everything to do with the Mesozoic era. 
other students I know have been interested in Pokemon or chess or Super Mario. What is very real for individuals with ASD in these restricted repetitive patterns of behavior and interest is that they are so hyper-focused on these interest areas that they often struggle to have conversations or connect with others on topics that aren't within their interest area. We will for sure talk about autism more in a future episode, but one thing I did want to mention about ASD is that like other neurodevelopmental disorders, onset of these symptoms and these patterns of behavior occur in the developmental period. Okay, the next neurodevelopmental disorder we're going to talk about is ADHD. There are different subtypes of ADHD. One of them is categorized more by levels of inattention and impairing levels of disorganization. And another subtype is categorized more by hyperactivity and impulsivity. And then a third subtype is a combination of patterns of behavior in both those areas. So the inattention and disorganization is going to look more like the inability to start a task and to stay on task, um, seeming not to listen, losing a lot of materials. And all of these behaviors would be at levels inconsistent with what would be expected for that person's age or developmental period. So for instance, a five-year-old is of course going to struggle to keep track of all of their materials to and from school. But by the time a student is getting into grade four or five, losing something from the backpack every single day is starting to stand out a little bit more. The hyperactive impulsive subtype is going to look more like overactivity and moving as if driven by a motor, a lot of fidgeting, struggling to stay seated or to stay in one place, intruding into other people's activities, the inability to wait your turn. And again, those symptoms would be kind of over and above what would be expected for that person's age. One thing to note about ADHD is that it does often persist into adulthood. It might just look a little different in how it impairs someone in adulthood. So a student who really shows some hyperactive impulsive behaviors, that might look a little different in adulthood. They Rather than having ping pong body, they might have ping pong brain and just really struggle to focus on any one topic in conversation or even in their thoughts. Okay, the next class of neurodevelopmental disorders are the neurodevelopmental motor disorders. So this includes developmental coordination disorder, stereotypic movement disorder, and tic disorders. Developmental coordination disorder is characterized by struggles to acquire and carry out movements, and it might look like clumsiness or slowness or inaccuracy of performance of motor skills, and it interferes with activities of daily living like dressing oneself or taking care of one's hygiene. Stereotypic movement disorder is when a person has repetitive, seemingly driven, and apparently purposeless motor behaviors like hand flapping or body rocking, maybe head banging, and sometimes hitting or self-biting. And the last neurodevelopmental motor disorder is tic disorders. They're characterized by the presence of motor or vocal tics. What are tics, you ask? Tics are rapid, recurrent, but non-rhythmic motor movements or vocalizations. So rather than rhythmic, which hand flapping could be, they are not rhythmic 
and sometimes seem to come out of nowhere or at least be disconnected to what's happening in the moment. Uh, Like, for example, a person who has really hard eye blinking and they don't have anything in their eye, the behavior appears just kind of random or disconnected. Have you heard of Tourette's disorder? That's a kind of tic disorder, and it's diagnosed when the individual has multiple motor and vocal tics that have been present for at least one year, and the course of these symptoms is waxing and waning. Okay, let's move on to our last neurodevelopmental disorder. It's called Specific Learning Disorder, or SLD. Remember when we talked about intellectual disability? That is when a person has deficits in more generalized mental abilities, Whereas specific learning disability, just like the name implies, is when a person has deficits in a very specific area of processing, in the area of reading, writing, and or math, because you can have more than one learning disorder. People with specific learning disorder might have a certain cognitive skill set that is maybe average or high average, maybe low average. However, what they're showing us that they can do within the area of reading, writing, or math is actually much different and much lower than what we would expect given their cognitive profile. So you might have heard the term dyslexia. Dyslexia is a kind of specific learning disorder. We'll talk a lot more about dyslexia and the different kinds of specific learning disorder on a future episode, but one thing I just wanted to get straight right now is that people with dyslexia can and do learn to read. It's going to take a lot more time and practice. But specific learning disorder persists from the developmental period into adulthood, like many of the other neurodevelopmental disorders. Okay, that just about brings us to the end of the episode. One note I wanted to end on is that if I haven't made it clear by now, the defining characteristic that all the neurodevelopmental disorders have in common is that the age of onset is in the developmental period. So that means you would start to see some signs and symptoms of each of these disorders at a young age, usually before school age. As I mentioned, on the next episode, you can expect a deep dive on one of these neurodevelopmental disorders, intellectual disability. Stigma about neurodivergent brains is reduced when we understand more about it, when we understand the truth about neurodivergence and not just believe all the myths and misconceptions that we hear. So I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode that is an overview of the different neurodevelopmental disorders. Now I'm starting to ramble, and I did promise that this was going to be a quick episode, so I better wrap this up. If you have any questions or topics of interest you want me to cover, please email the podcast at schoolpsychpodcast at gmail.com. If you find the podcast helpful, please rate and review wherever you listen so others can find it. Thanks for tuning in and catch you next time on the School Psych Podcast.